And welcome back to Kid Men Talk, where my goal is to equip and encourage you in your children's ministry, as is everything that Kidology does. In fact, I just got back from a great opportunity to do just that on the East Coast at the Engaged Children Conference. Hey, if you live on the East Coast, although it's worth flying in from anywhere, you have got to check out the Engaged Children Conference. They have over 60 workshops. They have this semi-okay keynote speaker, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But it was a great time of fellowship. I got to hang out with Wayne Stocks and Dave Truitt and Tom Bump and Bill Gunther and Dick Kreider and Scott Phillips and Kathy Phillips. Now, those Phillips aren't related. They, They just share some ancestor. And even Stephen Knight was there, a great moody student who works for Kidology, and he did some workshops, did a fantastic job, and I did get to be the keynote speaker, and so I want to share one of my opening sessions with you here on the podcast this week, because it's time for us to talk Kidman. Yes, it was an absolutely fantastic time that I had, great friendships, great times out to eat. Uh, and they just did a bang-up job with the conference. Uh, tons of workshops, great speakers. There was a resource center set up in the gymnasium. And so I really do recommend that if you're on the East Coast, um, you te- check out the Engaged Children Conference and make it part of the way you equip and encourage the, the volunteers in your ministry as well as yourself. And uh, I had the honor of being the keynote speaker. I did three main sessions. And today in the podcast, I want to share with you the opening session session that I did on Friday night. And in the next two podcasts, I'm going to share with you the next two sessions. The theme was engaging children, but I wanted to kind of back up a little bit as I'll explain in the talk and talk first about how do we engage God in our ministry and in our personal life. Then how do we engage leaders? And then once we've laid that foundation, then how do we engage kids? But today's podcast is sponsored by an exciting new resource that we have put together here at Kidology that I'm really excited about just indulge me for a few seconds is I invite you to check out the Christmas clue hunt. You may have picked up the resurrection clue hunt back around Easter time. It was very well received. We got great feedback. So we went back to the same fantastic artist and uh, have come up with a Christmas version. This is kind of like the game of clue. It's done with trading cards. It's uh, interactive. It has devotional lessons on over 20 or with 20 different objects, places, and things that revolve around the Christmas story. And it takes a very familiar story, but it helps kids to learn some things that they probably didn't know about the Christmas story. And so they play this deductive game, and then with a QR code, if you want to use your smartphone or tablet, they can zap a QR code and get a devotional, or there's just printouts that you can use as well. So it's great for at home. I played it with my son and my wife. You can use it in small groups at church. You can use it homeschooling. Lots of different ways that you can enjoy Christmas clue hunt. So just go to kidology.org slash hunt. You'll find links to both the resurrection and the Christmas clue hunts and uh, check those out. And I think you'll have a lot of fun um, applying that resource to your ministry. Now, remember it's reproducible. So that means you can buy one copy and you can give it to all the families of your church. And that is perfectly fine. That's why we made it a reproducible resource. So, but now I want to share with you the opening address at the Engage Children Conference and hope that it challenges you um, 
and encourages you to engage God first and foremost in your children's ministry. So sit back, relax, maybe grab a, a beverage or something and uh, open your heart and open your mind to, um, to just be ministered to now as though you were there. And maybe next year you'll make the Engage Conference part of your ministry training. Please welcome with me Carl Bastian. Come on up, Carl. Thank you, thank you. It's great to be back. Let, let me pray for you. God, I just thank you for everyone in this room. Lord, I thank you that they are here, that they're making the investment of their time in themselves and for their leaders and for their children. Lord, I know that there are folks in this room tonight who are here, some even as a last-ditch effort, because they're wondering if they can continue on. Some are ready to throw in the towel, and they're here, Lord, just because they're asking, can I, can I keep doing this? And Lord, I pray that they would be encouraged this weekend um, to continue on and that they would uh, just find some camaraderie in seeing there's other people as wacky and as crazy about kids as they are. And Lord, that you would just uh, refresh them and renew them this weekend. In your name we pray. All God's children said, amen. amen. Well, it is, it is a delight to be here, and uh, forgive me for using notes. Often I love to be so prepared that I don't even need notes, but I wanted to bring something fresh and, uh, and new for you as I've been praying about the Engage Conference. But I have to confess, the first time I heard about the Engage Children Conference, I think it was either from Tom or, or Dave Truitt or uh, Wayne Stocks, all good friends of mine, several years ago, I think I teased him, and I said, you know, I'm really not in favor of children getting engaged. I, I personally think they're too young. Um, it reminded me of a long time ago um, in a galaxy far, far away. No, a long time ago when I was a children's pastor at the Moody Church in Chicago. And I was in my desk, and we had very formal desks at Moody Church because it's a very formal church. And I was sitting in my office, and um, we had these big wood desks, and there were two chairs across from my little desk. And uh, my big desk in my little office. And um, a children's worker came by. And, uh, and this lady said, do you mind if my kids sit in your office? I, I have to make some photocopies or something. And I said, sure, that's fine. She happened to have a boy and a girl. And uh, they were probably four or five years old. And uh, they were very well behaved. And they just sat in these uh, chairs across from my desk. And I visited a little bit, but I continued just to do my work. And uh, Pastor Erwin Lutzer, I don't know if you know who he is, um, I think he knows God personally because he says God instead of God, um, if you've heard him preach. And he happened to come walking down the hall, and he, he looked in my office, and he saw this little boy and this little girl just sitting so nicely in chairs. He didn't know they were siblings. And he said, uh, premarital counseling? <laughs> and I said, yes, I'm, I'm encouraging them to wait. <laughs> but that's what came to mind when I heard of the Engaged Children Conference. I, I thought um, maybe... Maybe we shouldn't be doing that. But obviously, we want to engage children. We want to engage them in learning about the Bible. We want to engage them in a relationship with God. And, and uh, it actually can't, there can't be a better name uh, for a reason to, to get together. And so I was excited to come last year and uh, meet other folks who are as wacky and, and crazy as I am. And yes, uh, the baby whisperer, it might be a good nickname for me. Uh, I'm not going to take time to explain that. But if you're curious, you want to know the secret to silencing any crying baby just come by the booth or catch me in the hallway and I will tell you the secret. That is a superpower of mine um, that I've known for years. There is a secret to stopping any crying baby. And I've known this since high school. And I used to brag to, um, 
to women before I knew bragging was wrong that I could silence any crying baby and I used to be summoned to the nursery anytime there was a baby that no one else could console and, um, and I would happily silence any crying baby. And I know it's not a painful or torturous way. It's quite, quite loving, but there was something about the psychology of infants that I somehow figured out early on and I loved teaching that to nursery workers so that they could console any baby that uh, was crying and unhappy. Um, but it's not our topic for a general session, so I'm not gonna do anything more than just tease you um, with that little trivial knowledge that I cracked and uh, we're happy to teach that to anyone who's just curious to know. But tonight I do wanna talk about engaging children, but we're not gonna actually get to engaging children until our third session, sorry. Because before you can engage children, I think there's two more important topics that I want to talk about. And tonight we're going to talk about a different type of engagement that I think we often forget about. Um, children's ministry, I don't know if, if you know this, but it's gotten really complicated. Do you know that? I, I, I think I'm a fairly young-looking fellow. I've always been accused of looking younger than I am. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I've been in kids' ministry since I was 10 years old, and I've been around a long time, and I remember when children's ministry was really simple. If you wanted to buy a curriculum, there was Standard, Gospel Light, David C. Cook, and Scripture Press, and Group. That was it. You just picked one of those, and that was your curriculum. And if you wanted to sign kids into a classroom, you just put a clipboard by the door, and that was it. Special events, there was VBS. That was it. And that pretty much was children's ministry. And now it has gotten really complicated, hasn't it? I mean, we have got background checks. We have got special needs ministries. We have got sports ministries, craft ministries. We have got, I mean, it goes on and on and on, right? It's really overwhelming to be in children's ministry today, isn't it? In fact, I'm one of the rare people that has a degree in children's ministry and a master's degree in children's ministry. And I'm not saying that it's good or bad whether you have that, and, it's, and none of those things are bad things. In fact, um, Wayne has an incredible ministry to children of divorced parents' ministry, right? Did you know there's now a ministry to children who have experienced the death of a pet? How many of you are ministering to the children who have experienced the death of a pet. Do you know how devastating it is to have a pet die? There are books, there are resources, there are online destinations. You need to go home and, t I'm just kidding you, there isn't. But how many of you worried for a second? <laughs> be honest. How many of you thought, oh no, I've gotta be thinking about the kids whose pet died. And you started thinking, yeah, well, I, I can see that, yeah, because they love their pets, you know. And you thought, oh no, there's another thing I've gotta take care of. It's overwhelming. Children's ministry is really complicated. And how many of you were a little nervous coming to a conference and thinking, oh no, I'm going to have to learn about some new thing that I got to do. Some new thing I'm overlooking or I'm going to get guilted about something that I'm supposed to be working about. In fact, there was probably something you learned about last year that you're not doing. And you're going to get reminded about it. In fact, how many blog posts and how many books and how many things are 10 steps and 10 principles and 10 things that you should be doing and you're not doing them? Raise your hand. Mm -hmm. How many of you have written those? You're not even doing all those things you've written. My hand's up, okay? Because I'm one of those people that writes those things. 
And I'm not even doing them all, all right? Children's ministry is really complicated. So I'm happy to tell you that um, I'm not going to do that. that. We'll do that next session. We'll, we'll load up the guilt next session, okay? So you can skip the next session. I'm just kidding. I think there's a reason that Jesus came in 0 B.C. <laughs> or 3 B.C. if you want to be really technical or A.D. or whatever it was. And they changed it after he came because, you know, they got confused and all that. But anyway, because Jesus didn't have to come up with a logo. Jesus didn't have to make a brochure. He didn't have to update his Facebook status in Galilee. He didn't have to tweet his, you know, pithy little things that he was saying. He didn't have to Instagram, you know, his miracles. Look, it was water, now it's wine. He didn't have to make vines of, of you know, the vine that he withered. He didn't have to keep up with, you know, a website, you know, decide whether you use WordPress or something else, you know. Ah, it must have been really nice to be in ministry and during Jesus' era, right? Just walk everywhere. He was a pretty smart dude. Can you imagine how complicated ministry would be for Jesus if he came in 2013? He was a smart guy. He looked over the scope of human history and said, I'm going to come during a time when there's nothing that plugs in. <laughs> nothing that has to be charged. It's nice and simple. He's a smart guy. There's times when I wish I had been there. Yeah, I got a big website. And yeah, I love technology. Yeah, I've waited in line in the mall, in front of an Apple store for hours to get the latest OS. But there's days I wish I had never started a website. As many of the blessings that I've experienced from that and as much as I've met great people, I have friends here I would have never met if it hadn't been from Kidology. But there's days I wish there was none of that because it keeps us very busy. So I want to give you a couple of S's, right? If you're taking notes, how many of you already updated your Facebook or tweeted? Ha, gotcha. But here's a couple of S's I'm going to give you this evening. Because I want to challenge you, before you even think about engaging children, I want to challenge you tonight to think about engaging God. Because we get so busy engaging children that we forget all about engaging God. You know, when you're a, a speaker for a living, when you're a kidologist, you can get so good at engaging children, and you can get so used to people looking to you for expert advice, and I just gave away two CD-ROMs loaded with expert advice and expert videos, and I hope you enjoy them, and I hope they equip you, that you can get so used to being and doing that your walk with God can get very shallow. And I've been there. I have gotten to where I was so good at equipping and engaging kids that my walk with God was very shallow. You know, I don't know which Superman movie it was, but there's a Superman movie, one of the lame ones as, as they kept cranking him out, where Superman's over at Lois Lane's house and he's hanging out with Lois Lane and they see on the TV that there's a bus of children going off a bridge and someone says, hey, aren't you going to go save the bus? He's like, yeah, I'm Superman. I can get there any time. Because he got so proud of his skill that he knew he could do it. He didn't have to get off the couch and go there right away. I've been there as a children's pastor. Don't you have children's church to get ready for Sunday? Yeah, I can pull that off on Friday, Saturday. Because I'm, I'm talented. 
I don't need to pray about it. I don't need to study the word of God. I've been doing this for 15 years. And I hope my transparency doesn't make you think less of me, but it helps you realize the danger of being good at what you do, that you can stop engaging God in what you're doing. And it's, it's dangerous. So the first S I want to give you is silence. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still. Be still and know that I am God. I'll be really honest with you and tell you I've been to a counselor. You know the first thing he said to me? Carl, you need to learn how to be a human being. You're a human doing. You don't even know what it means to be a human being. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. See, we're inundated with noises. Incoming messages, email, voicemail, snail mail, memos, Netflix and Pandora streaming. Competing social networks. And then, of course, we're adding to it to ourselves constantly, aren't we? I'm not saying those things are bad, but it's constant noise. You know, Proverbs said, even a fool is thought wise if he shuts up for a little bit. It's my paraphrase. And discerning if he holds his tongue. Maybe you've heard of um, Brother Lawrence, the classic book, Practicing the Presence of God. I live in Colorado, and I moved there as part of my own healing from ministry because I need to get outdoors more. And I go hiking with my son. And recently we went hiking at a state park called Roxboro State Park. Beautiful. And we grabbed one of the trail map brochures in the visitor center, and I was hiking around with my son, and he brings little monster trucks, so when we sit down, he gets the monster trucks out and starts playing. And I'm reading to him from the brochure. And in the description of the state park, it says uh, something about people like to come here and to enjoy the tranquility. And my son's only in first grade, so he's learning a lot of new words. And, and he's very inquisitive, as all young kids are. And so he asked me, Daddy, what is, what is tranquility? So I said, Listen, shh, listen. So we sat like that. He goes, I don't hear anything. He said, that's what tranquility is. <laughs> and he goes, so people come to hear nothing? <laughs> I said, that's exactly what they come to listen to. I said, what do you not hear? I don't hear anything. I said, what do you not hear that we would hear if we did that by the house? Cars on the road, telephones, airplanes, helicopters, buzzing. We did it back at home later, and it was amazing what he heard. See, we need to learn to enjoy silence. 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. Remember that's Elijah. And he said, go forth and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And so it was, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in the mantle and went out and stood 
in the entering of the cave, and behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What does thou hear, Elijah? Here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to close your eyes. You can be alone in a crowd. Just close your eyes. And I want you to picture, use imagination, just like you were a child. Picture a giant piece of paper. I want you to write on it in your imagination. So you can pick a pen, a pencil, a crayon, an old-fashioned quill that you dip in some ink. And I want you to write on that whatever's on your mind constantly. Whatever you worry about. Whatever's concerning you. Whatever ambitions it is, and it doesn't have to be ministry-related. It can be family be whatever you want. I want you to write your title on there. I don't know what it could be. It's a screensaver. Whatever constantly comes up when you're alone and you're quiet. Now I want you to do something kind of fun. I want you to destroy that piece of paper. You can do it any fun way you want. You can just burn it. You can use an oxyacetylene torch. You can use a little match. You can throw it off a cliff. You can tie it to a rock and toss it to the bottom of the sea. If it's a sin that you haven't accepted that God has truly forgiven it, you can put it at the foot of the cross. But don't keep your head down. Look all the way up and look into the face of Christ, looking down, smiling at you. Maybe it's something you have not forgiven. best thing I've heard about unforgiveness is like making poison for somebody else and drinking it yourself. Maybe you need to release something. Destroy that paper and open your eyes. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 says, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up. Cast it all on him because he cares for you. You know, the best thing for your ministry is not a new program. It's not a new idea. It's not a new resource. That doesn't mean there aren't wonderful resources in the resource room there. It doesn't mean there aren't great ideas in the workshops. But the best thing for your ministry is to be engaged with God. The best trainer is not myself or any workshop trainer. It's God. He knows what's best for your ministry. He will speak through people, but he is the best one for your ministry. So the next S is silence and solitude. You've got to get time alone. When I left ministry in 2006 at a low point of just being broken and burned out, I decided to visit a friend's church that was nearby. He was a board member of mine. The first sermon, <laughs> I showed up at this friend's church after I had resigned my ministry to just go through a period of healing, quit having two full-time jobs, and I was a new dad. The sermon series was out of control. It's like, out of control. Who told him I was coming? And the sermon was on recreation. Kind of an odd sermon title. But the pastor defined it as recreation. And I had bought a lie that my recreation, my occupation, and my vocation were all the same. Children's ministry. Because what's more fun than children's ministry, right? But children's ministry had been draining me for years. I used to collapse on the floor in the back of my kids' church set after everyone had left and lay on the floor for 
20 minutes like an empty sponge because I gave to my leaders, I gave to the kids, I gave to everyone, and I was empty. And I never refilled. I just was more empty every week than the week before. And he challenged us, you need to find what will recreate you and intentionally plan it into your life at whatever the cost or it will cost you everything. And it had just cost me my ministry. And I was not at a healthy place. So I bitterly almost said to my wife, turned next to her and said, the only thing that would recreate me is if I could take a week in Yosemite with nothing but my Bible and some worship music in my iPod. I didn't say it because I was going to do it. I said it because it was an impossible thing. I couldn't get that out of my head. So every couple of months, I kind of said to my wife, would you let me do that? She'd say no. <laughs> finally, I started getting mad at my wife for just shooting down the idea. So finally, I said, why do you just shoot me down? She says, well, you'll fall off some cliff taking a picture. Oh, she actually had a legitimate reason for shooting down my idea. So, so if I went with some other guys, yes. So I started a men's retreat called Yosemite Summit. And every year since that year, 2008, took a couple years and my baby getting a little older before I did it, I do a retreat for men called Yosemite Summit. Tom has been on it and several others have been on it. And that's what I do every year. Because I learned I needed that recreation. The next one is surrender. Asking, what does God want for your ministry? That's that burning up of whatever's hurting you, whatever's holding you down, and giving it back to God. Why? And here's the last S, because you are only a steward of the ministry. If you're thinking as a martyr, man, that church is lucky to have me. If I were to leave, it would all fall apart. I can't take a week off. I can't go to big church because, man, without me, the whole ministry would fall apart. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And that is pride. Because it is not your ministry. It's God's ministry. If you're stressed out over your ministry, do you realize that is a sin? Because it's God's ministry. Sometimes if he's not staffing positions or making things succeed, it's because it's something he doesn't want you doing anyway. Nowhere in the Bible does it say to have a VBS. It's God's ministry. God's not up there going, oh my goodness, I can't believe that we don't have a second grade teacher. It's God's ministry. I don't have time to tell you story after story of times when I refused to be nervous and I said to a leader, no, we're not going to fill this with a substandard person. We're going to leave the opening. We're going to trust God. And miraculously, the week before, a Moody student would walk up to me brand new because it's the week before fall and say, you know what, I, you're probably already all staff, but I love second graders, I have a passion for them. Do you happen to have a, a second grade teaching position open? Boom, and we had it. Because it was God's class, and he knew that Moody student was coming when I was in Chicago. It's God's ministry. Don't be stressed out about it. When you stress, you're taking the ministry from God and making it your own. If you were to leave the ministry, God will raise up someone else for it. When we take it away from God... That's when we get stressed about it. They really will be fine without you. And what happens is we take it upon ourselves. So we need to surrender it. You're just a steward of God's ministry. And you need to communicate that to your team. One time we had everything was going terrible. We had all these problems. We were going to have this meeting. I knew it was going to be a complaint session. So I arranged child care and my whole team showed up. We went mini golfing. And my team were kind of mad. I said, well, we can't solve anything. 
So we're just going to go mini-golfing. And we went mini-golfing for the first four holes. It was a disaster. By the end, we were all laughing, having a great time of fellowship. By our next meeting, three weeks later, all those problems were solved by God. And they thanked me for the mini-golf outing. But I wanted to show them we can't solve these things. So in summary, here's your S's. Silence, solitude, surrender, because you're only a steward. The best thing for your ministry is to engage God in your ministry. And you know this. You already know this, right? But you've got to build into your life those times of silence. They happen in solitude. You've got to hold your ministry with an open hand. And you've got to acknowledge you're just the steward. You know what a steward is in medieval times? The king is not sitting in the throne, so the steward's chair is next to the throne, and they're running the kingdom because the the king is not physically there. That's what we are. Jesus is not physically there. He's still the king, but we are there in his place running it on his behalf. But we're not the king. So here's what I want you to do. You ever wanted to say, stop the world, I want to get off. Well, in Yosemite Summit 2009 was my favorite highlight video. And as we close, I want you to watch this video. Guys, sorry ladies, you can't come. My wife won't let me take a bunch of women to Yosemite and live in a cabin for a week. They they keep asking me, how come you don't do this for women? Well, duh. But guys, I invite you to join me. But this isn't a promo about Yosemite Summit as much as I'd love to invite you guys. But I want you to watch this video. Listen to the words. And during this video, I want you to be silent. And I want you to hold your hands open, just in your lap. I want you to hold your hands open. Whatever's on your mind, whatever's weighing you down, by the end of this video, I want you to let go of it and leave it in this room. Symbolically, is just leaving it behind. And engage God this weekend. Learn from speakers. Get some great resources. But you are just a steward of your ministry. It's not your ministry. So do not be stressed. Do not be worried. Just be a Jedi. You know how the Jedi are, right? They're emotionless about it. Because it's, it's God's ministry. And he's not, he's not worried up there. He's not stressed out. Because he's actually more concerned about building you than about building your ministry. And he knows without those ministry problems, you ain't going to grow. So he's actually allowing those problems to build your character. Because if he staffed every position and gave you the budget and gave you everything you wanted, you'd stop growing. So guess what? You're always going to have those problems. So enjoy this video, and then we'll, we'll end having left it all behind. The song is by Matthew West. Just enjoy the song, but I will embed the video in the show notes so you can enjoy watching it as well. But I would encourage you just as you finish this podcast to just to do what I've said. Just give it up to God. TV's talking, the telephone's ringing. Lights are all on and the radio screaming. A million distractions are stealing my heart from you. I'm tired and empty. 
This life is relentless It weakens my knees And it breaks my defenses It's wearing me down And I'm desperate to hear from I hope you found this podcast encouraging as we wrap up Kidman Talk number 62. Next time, I will share with you the second address, which was called Engage Leaders, and then it will be followed by, finally, How to Engage Kids. Well, this is Carl Bastian, a.k.a. The Kidologist, coming to you from kidology.org. You can communicate with me 
directly with my email, carl at kidmantalk.com. You can tweet at kidmantalk or at kidologist. And of course, I would love to have your interaction, feedback, encouragement, or questions that can shape future shows in the forum uh, discussion that is linked in the show notes. And be sure to check out Christmas Clue Hunt. Until the next time, we talk Kidman. <laughs>